Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Andy. And before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about RebateJet.com. What is RebateJet? Well, it's a piece of software that I created that will help Amazon sellers get their products noticed. You can launch with promo codes, rebates. Not only that, but you can list your product for free on the RebateJet third-party marketplace. You don't pay a single penny unless you make a sale. And when you do, it's only a $1 flat fee per product. Try it today, RebateJet.com. Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I think it starts with you, the entrepreneur, and what you're trying to get out of your business. Are, are you the type of more lifestyle entrepreneur where, hey, I'm kind of happy where I'm at. I want to grow a little bit. I want to grow 10, 20%. And I don't want to like take a bunch of risk and launch new products or, or launch on a new channel or, um, you know, make any drastic changes. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think it's the realization of, are you that type or is 2022, do you have these master plans of, Hey, I'm going to launch five new products and I'm going to launch on a, in a different country or a different platform. I'm going to try out TikTok ads and um, I'm going to blow it out of the water this year. So uh, because those are two very different sets of decisions. Um, and assuming that you're it's more in the latter camp of, hey, I really want to grow next year over, you know, over 30 percent, 50 percent, 100 percent. And yeah, I think there's a few core assumptions that you need to put into your projections or mindset or model. I, I think number one, ads aren't going to get any cheaper. Uh, so uh, you're not, you're going to not be able to continue to just put in a dollar and get back five. And how does that change your calculus of your business if you're not able to scale your Amazon ads or Facebook ads or Google ads effectively. And we've seen that obviously play out in the last two years, but assuming that's going to continue, maybe not at the, the pace it did for the last two years, but what are you going to do about it? I think uh, the second assumption would be <laughs> stuff always takes longer than you think. And I think my, myself and my clients have, it seems like they have to relearn that lesson over and over and over again. And specifically, specifically, I'm referring to a new product launch or a new hire. Whereas, hey, this year, I really want to pull myself out of the, op or some out of the operations of the business. I want to hire someone else to, to take that over. And I want to do that in January. And if you're starting now, you're not going to, that person's not going to start in January, I promise. Uh, so we should assume that and plan for longer time periods and bigger budgets about whatever you plan to, to spend on hiring that person, you should increase that budget uh, or whatever timeline it is. And, and I think the same goes for, for new products. I mean, I see several of our clients with uh, you know, marketing calendars with, Hey, we're going to launch this new thing in Q1. We're going to launch two new things in Q2 and five new things in Q3. And it depends on the product. It, it, if it's a complimentary product that you've already had in the works manufactured, 
um, and everything. Yeah, sure. Like you could probably reach that timeline. But the question is, what if you don't? And is the success of your business contingent upon you doing these things? And if it is, I think we should take a step back and say, okay, well, again, what am, am, is my business still going to succeed if I don't accomplish these things? And um, so I, I think it's kind of like overinflating our timelines and schedules. And everyone always says it, but no one doesn't everyone thinks it's not going to happen to them. And then it always does. And they're like, Oh, well, why didn't I grow hundred percent this year? It's like, okay, well, like all these things happen later, later than you thought. And I think related to that is uh, ignoring the balance sheet. And we don't necessarily think we, we always think everything's going to happen in the best case scenario. And again, that's pretty uncommon. So we need to look to our balance sheets and understand them just as much as we do our profit and loss statements. And what I mean by balance sheet is how much cash do I have in the bank? What is my, what is my burn rate if, the, if I get kicked off of Amazon or if I get deactivated or my listings get pulled down for whatever reason? Um, am I gonna be able to pay my employees? Am I gonna pay, be able to pay myself? Um, and what does that look like? And, what am I, what's actually at risk and how much risk do I have on the table? And then, you know, other balance sheet KPIs like um, your current ratio or your uh, quick ratio, or it's also called an, an asset test ratio. What does that look like? And what, what are my assets to liabilities and debt to equity and, and all that kind of stuff? Um, and understanding um, again, what, what the strength of the balance sheet is and what can I endure if, uh, if things don't work out exactly as planned. I love that. So I want to get into each one of these main <laughs> points that you, you gave. The first one you talked about, you know, you need to have a plan, but also include your finances in that plan. So, you know, if you, you want to launch 12 new products this year, <laughs> I mean, that does go into your second point of, everything is going to take longer, especially if you don't have the staff to do that, or, you know, you need to, to think through that, right? But also having a financial plan for that and understanding the financial implications of doing that. And then kind of all three things that you mentioned play off of each other, right? Because if we're looking at our balance sheet and our burn rate and, you know, our, our assets and all of that, um, but we're, if we're ignoring the balance sheet, but then we have this plan to launch 12 new products this year. And, you know, we just, we, we have no idea how we're going to make that happen. And we're just, I think so many of um, us business owners are a little bit reactive, right? We're like, okay, I'll just, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. And then we're like, okay, I'm out of money. And now my best seller that I need to buy more inventory for I, my money's tied up over here in this thing that I didn't think about. I didn't think ahead for this other thing, right? So everything that you do in terms of your plans, of course, it's going to take longer than you think it will. And then also, you know, you need to think ahead in terms of finances so that you go, okay, if I'm truly going to grow, what is that going to look like in terms of revenue and expenses? And will my burn rate 
allow me to actually achieve that? Or do I need to look at funding? And then do I have the assets to get that funding? Am I going to be, you know, in the right place to do that? So I love how everything that you're talking about when it comes to planning um, also needs to be, we need to think ahead. Um, we need to think about the implications on our balance sheet and whether or not we need some help. And then if we need help, what is that going to look like? And what is that person going to care about, right? Like if we need to get money from a bank or money from a, a loan, um, what are what are they going to care about? Are they going to like our balance sheet? Is, is all of that going to be good? So I okay. love that. I think it's, it's really smart. I think I want to add, you know, one of the key things planning is for me, it's so important. Um, but the, the key thing that I think that people, and I would love to hear your, your take on this as well, but I think the key thing that people do when they're planning um, or don't do is they'll plan kind of at like the beginning of the year and, you know, or maybe the beginning of a quarter and they kind of, they don't revisit their plan and make adjustments and then, you know, look at lessons learned, things that aren't going the way that they're going, that they want them to go. And they're not being held accountable for that plan along the way. Um, and that ends up, they just kind of get upside down and they forget what they, you know, plan to do in the first place because they're stuck in that one product launch that isn't going well or the one, you know, whatever it is, right? But, um, but I, I think that that is key is consistently revisiting your plan and looking at those metrics and making sure that you're measuring those things and, and keeping track of them. Do you find that that's a common mistake that people make? Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too, in my own business. Uh, and I think the, the question is, how do we, how do we move past that or how do we deal with it? And uh, for me, I think, and it, it's so easy as a solopreneur, if you're the 100% business owner, you don't have a partner, uh, and you don't have anyone to really be accountable to other than yourself, it's really easy to hide. It's easy, easy to hide and be like, eh, well, I know that that's kind of in the closet somewhere, but I'm not going to deal with that. So at least I've found helpful for myself is I need to somehow either pay for the accountability or say it publicly in some way to, <laughs> to hold me accountable, whether that's a, a CFO or a business advisor, uh, or, you know, in the early stages, it, it could be a friend or something, um, or posting it on social media or something, uh, some way to have a little bit of almost shame component to say, okay, this is what I wanted to do. And this is my progress towards that. And when you have to present your financials uh, or some financial data publicly, we start to clean it up pretty quickly <laughs> and, and actually monitor it and actually uh, track it. And, and again, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. And I, I have to protect myself from myself and hold myself to the plan that, that I set uh, in, in whatever former fashion that takes and um, get around other business owners and to say, Hey, this is what I said I was going to do. Yeah. Do it. And I, I think, think that's, that's the, the most way that, I know how. that I've ever been in my business is when I've been preparing to sell it because like it, I really have, it's like, you have to be ready for that pitch every day. You have to know your numbers. You have to be on top of it. And I feel like, you know, 
that's why I always encourage people to go get their business valued because that way they can understand like, okay, what am I doing wrong? And what am I doing right? And what do I need to actually track? Because your, your balance sheet or your PL is not the same as what a buyer or somebody who values your business is going to look at. And so you need to know what those things are. And for me, like since I've been on the journey to potentially sell my business, um, I, I like really had to clean up a lot of things like, oh, wow, that's bleeding. And I didn't even realize it because I was just looking at, you know, my QuickBooks, right? Or, oh, okay, that's actually an ad back, um, you know, but an expense I need to watch, you know, those are all, I just, I track my business finances in a different way. And so I think that it's so important to always think about our businesses from a perspective of, um, from a value, you know, what is this business worth? Because if it's not worth anything, then we have a problem, right? We're, we're, we're not growing our business. Um, so yeah, I would encourage everybody out there to not only know your numbers as Sam has encouraged you to, but also to know your numbers from a, what a buyer cares about perspective and keep those metrics straight and be tracking those on a regular basis. Yeah, and, and again, I know this is a, a finance conversation, but this applies to in every function in your business. For operations, if you had to explain what your operations process is, is it a disaster? And you're like, well, this is what I should be doing, but this is what I actually do. And all of my supplier email or supplier conversation is buried in an email somewhere and it never gets updated in a spreadsheet. I don't know what's coming in or when I'm sending stuff to Amazon. I don't know what I paid. Uh, I don't like, I'm not keeping uh, track of all my costs and it's just a hodgepodge of whatever I kind of feel like doing that day. Finance is the exact same thing uh, or, you know, marketing or if I'm running ad campaigns, can someone off the street open my Google ad account and determine what my campaign naming means? Yeah, same with Amazon, right? Yeah, it, <laughs> I'm like, what do you have going on here? You have 1,400 campaigns and I don't understand any of this and they don't either, right? And yeah, I, I agree. Every aspect of your business, it's like, being organized, right? Getting organized, understanding it, holding it accountable, because ultimately it's going to reflect on the financial side too. If you're, if, if you're, you know, you're not keeping your suppliers organized, you don't know what's coming in. You don't know what's going out. You don't, you don't understand any of that. Well, then your books are going to be a mess too, because your accountant's not going to be able to keep track of your inventory numbers or do your accrual based accounting. It's just going to be it's going to be a mess. And those are all lessons that all of us have to learn. So it's, it's good. You know, like you said, I don't always do it perfectly in my business. You know, it's, it's about being aware of, okay, what do I need to do better? And I think, you know, we can always think of our businesses. Okay. If somebody else is going to take it over tomorrow, like how would I, could I actually hand it off? Is, am I running my business or is my business running me? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, that's kind of a, a, a good measure to go by. So I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's talk from the, let's, let's, I always ask, you know, advice in terms of if you have somebody that's just getting started, they're just getting started in econ, they're just building their brand. Um, what would be your advice for them to set them up for success um, on the financial side? Yeah. If you're just starting again, 
if you're just starting, don't even sign up for an accounting software. <laughs> and I know I shouldn't say that as a owner of a finance and accounting firm, but uh, make sure that you're proving traction on the product side and on the sales side and, and marketing side and making sure that you're, that product is selling and you've got the right product in place um, before you add all of the admin stuff and finance stuff, because, you know, your intuition as an entrepreneur is usually good. Um, and it's more about supplementing that intuition with people like me to either validate an assumption or provide you a little bit deeper financial insight or operational insight or marketing insight. But in general, like follow your intuition and don't try and overcomplicate business. Make sure that you're selling a product that people want profitably and you're going to have a good sense of whether or not that's true if you're just starting and then layer in the complexity uh, as you grow. But I think I've made that mistake in the past just as an entrepreneur of trying to add too much infrastructure too fast and, mm. and it gets really overwhelming really quick. And I didn't necessarily focus on the, the core of the business that, that I needed to. And like all the peripheral stuff is fun it's, and it's necessary, but at the right time. So that, that's so, the advice I would give to someone just starting out. I love that advice because it also forces them to know their numbers as well before they're hiring someone else or just outsourcing. And I often see people like, I just want to outsource my PPC. I want to outsource. And it's like, you have one product. <laughs> can we, can yeah. we just like make sure that you understand your profitability and your, you know, your basic advertising on your primary platform? Like you should have those basics down, you know, before you're completely outsourcing everything. And like you said, adding in those complexities. So along that same note, when is someone ready to hire a CFO? When is someone ready to work with somebody like you? How do they know when it's time to move beyond that? You know, we've, we've, we've scaled beyond ourselves. Now we've hired our bookkeeper. We've got that stuff going. We're good. How do we know when it's time to hire a CFO? Got it. Yeah. And, and it's, um, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that because there are plenty of people on Upwork or available for on project basis or on, on an hourly basis. So I think the question is, as you scale, how do you know when to add more and more capability or more and more dedicated resources from finance? And again, marketing operations is, is the same. So in general, I say that, you know, when you start selling Fifty to $100,000 of product, assuming that it's more than one SKU, then you need to have someone look at your numbers, do a general review, spend maybe anywhere from like five to 20 hours, kind of look at stuff and, and point out um, some weak points here. But that's about all you need. And I'm, I'm assuming we're just selling on, on Amazon. So that's pretty straightforward. Once you start to cross into the $200,000, $300,000, $500,000 in sales, that's when your, your decisions get more and more costly if you screw something up. And your inventory purchases get larger. 
the checks that you're writing for ads get larger. So that's when you need someone like us on a more regular basis of, hey, we need to switch to accrual accounting. We need to do monthly growth margin and contribution margin analysis. We need to have an understanding of what your ad performance is by SKU or by product type or by geography or however your business is, is structured. Um, and if it's multi-channel understanding, you know, how's my Amazon profitability look from my Shopify profitability or my Walmart profitability? So yeah, I, I would once you once you get into that few hundred thousand dollar, half million dollar um, range, you definitely need to have someone more regular. And then once you start to cross the seven figure multi-million dollar business, that's when you absolutely need someone on a monthly basis. Um, providing you with all of that reporting, as well as discussing higher level strategy of, hey, well, what should I do to, you know, hedge my Amazon risk, my platform risk, or what is it going to cost me to launch in France? Or, um, hey, my supplier terms have always been 70-30, and my lead times are eight weeks and I, I need to ne go negotiate with them. What do I ne need to negotiate for? What are the most important uh, levers to discuss with them? So that's once you cross into that, that seven low seven figure range is, is really when you need um, more dedicated support. And then once you've re reached the 20, 30, $50 million mark, that's when you need a full-time person. That right. is uh, you know, dedicated to you full time. They only yeah. care about your business and they're thinking about your business in the shower. Uh, and, and, and because, and, and the business can support a full-time person at, at the, at those revenue levels. When you're, you know, when you're a million dollar seller, that's amazing. Uh, but assuming you're making, uh, I don't know, 10, 20% of, uh, so let's say you're, you're netting $200,000. You're not going to pay a CFO 150. Yeah. <laughs> Period. So you need someone, you, you need the support, but you need it fractionally. Just the same, the, making the same argument for, again, operations and marketing. So that's kind of how I think about the different levels of scale and different levels of, of support that you need. That's awesome. That's really good uh, in terms of helping people navigate those financial needs as they grow and as they scale and, and from start all the way to, you know, that big brand full-time CFO. Um, awesome. So before we wrap it up, um, I love to ask, we love to ask, um, what is it that is keeping you motivated? Are you, uh, as a business owner, are you reading certain books? Are you listening to certain podcasts? Uh, we love uh, to take people's suggestions there and hear what you're doing to stay motivated. Are these uh, business only books or can we share personal as well? It's, it's whatever is personally for you, keeping you motivated, keeping your mindset in the right place, helping you as a business owner um, to be there. So we've, we've heard so many different things um, from different people who've been on the show. And I think it's, it's all beneficial to hear from the different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to make sure that when I do open my laptop or start my day that uh it's more intentional and I don't, I'm not just opening my laptop because I feel anxious and I somehow feel comforted that I'm open my laptop and I'm not very 
productive. So I think keeping that in mind has been uh, super important for me. Uh, in terms of, of reading and motivation, um, one thing that's really keeping me motivated is connecting with other people and as face-to-face as much as possible. There's a, a good little group here in Austin of, uh, of other agencies that do various things and um, you know, they're either larger or smaller than we are. And it's just really motivating to be around those other people. And I get a, a ton of energy from that. But in terms of uh, reading, uh, I really like lately, I normally just read one book at a time. I feel like now I'm reading four at, at a time. And one of them is The Hard Thing About Hard Things, Ben Horowitz's book. I love uh, I really loved Ray Dalio's principles uh, as an entrepreneur, although they're not really e-commerce related, but I, I, I think it's been really interesting. And I've, I've read more fiction uh, as well and more sci-fi. And I think those books have helped me just as much as the business books, because we can only take in so much data. And there's, there's a thousand business podcasts out there and different business books and, and everything and they all have great advice, some better than others. But at the end of the day, you need to decide what's good for you and what works the best for you and your business and just go implement it and just go do it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, stop consuming and start producing. Uh, I, I've tried to be cognizant of that as well. I love it. All right. Last but not least, Sam, how do the fine listeners get in touch with you? How do they get themselves an e-com CFO. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, check us out at ecomcfo.co, not com, but .co. Or you can email me directly, sam at ecomcfo.co. Uh, we don't really do social media, <laughs> but uh, you, you're welcome to schedule a call on our website. Would love to help out your listeners. And um, God, it, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. And thanks everybody for listening in today. And hopefully you took something away today that you can do better. And you can always reach out to uh, to Sam at ecomcfo.co um, to get more advice or um, an audit of whether or not you're ready for that. And I'm sure no matter what, you're going to get some really great information there. So um, thank you so much, Sam, for just being here today and for helping us understand all of, of the financial and business matters that have to go along with running our businesses in, in a better way. And um, again, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and we will see you guys next week on the Seller Roundtable. Bye, everyone. Awesome. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundTable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.